Hey, 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 Abundant Life, how are you doing today? It's good to see you. Listen, let me tell you why. You guys are exciting. I've been listening to you over there singing, and you guys sound good. You look good. You got energy. You have enthusiasm. You are by far my favorite service so far today. Yes, yes. And it's, thank you, thank you. It's a gift given to me by a dear friend here. Thank you. People love it or they hate it. And that's okay. It doesn't matter. I am so glad you're here. We're going to continue this series that we started last week called Rise. And today we're talking about rising above uh, bad attitudes, rising above, you know, this basement thinking, you know, all this stuff. Now, if you had your choice, would you rather live here? Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Or would you rather live here? (laughs) Would you rather wake up to this or would you rather wake up to this? No question, right? No question, right? You know, you, you may have discovered, as I have discovered, some people actually prefer living in the basement. And I don't mean the one that's beneath ground level. I'm talking about the basement that's up in your head, your mind, your thinking, the way you look at things, the way you look at life. Some people's minds might look something like this. How would you describe that? What would you say? Damp, moldy, creepy, disgusting, alone, depressed. You guys are good. You're smart. I didn't hire you guys to write my sermons or something. Okay, uninviting, you know, and it's horrible. And some people's minds look like this. It's unfinished. Nothing's gone on there for a while. (laughs) You know, nobody's home. And, uh, you know, you stop growing, you stop changing, you stop developing. What could be never happened. Some people's minds look like that. Some people's minds look like this. They're all cluttered, they're full of stuff, they're full of junk, they're full of things that probably should have been thrown away a long time ago, they're broken, they're useless, they're worthless, and and you should have discarded them a long time ago. Let's be honest, sometimes uh, basements can be creepy, right? I mean, nobody really likes to go to the basement, they're just kind of creepy. How would you like to go to a McDonald's and see this sign? Please visit the basement to view and menu and order. I mean, what if you got down there and that creepy clown Ronald was down there? Isn't it? Don't you think? I just, this guy, he gives me the creeps. And, uh, and so who knows, you know, he might be down there. But I think you would agree with me that that people, much like basements, can be a lot of li- alike, right? They can be cold, and they can be creepy. They can be, you know, uninviting. And, and it just, you know, ah, I just don't, don't want to go in that place, don't want to go near that place. How many of you have discovered that some people actually brighten up a room when they leave? 
don't they? Yeah. <laughs> How many of you are sitting next to that person right now? <laughs> you know? And, and, so, and so people can be like that. How important is your attitude? How important is your attitude? It's very important, isn't it? Turn to your neighbor and say, I am so glad you're here to be taking notes. <laughs> and and uh, it's very important. Your attitude determines many times whether you win or whether you lose. Your attitude going into a thing determines whether or not you do a good job or whether you do a bad job. Your attitude many times determines whether people are attracted to you or if they see you, they turn quickly and walk the other way. It's your attitude. What is an attitude anyway? How would you describe an attitude? Write this in your, in your life notes. It's an inward feeling. It's an inward feeling that is expressed by outward behavior. That's an inward feeling that's expressed by outward behavior. That's why you can see a person's attitude from a mile away. And whether you want to, you know, whether you're drawn to them or whether you're repelled by them. And then you can just see it. You don't really know what's going on in their life, but you can see it in their facial expression. That's why sometimes people will say, what's bothering you today? I, I can see it in, in your eyes. You know? And, and, and you, you can see it on people's faces when something is bothering them. So we're in this series called Rise, and we're talking about how do we rise above bad attitudes? How do we rise above having this negative disposition in life? You know, last week we started this series called Rise, and we talked about because Jesus is alive, he changes everything. Because Jesus is alive, he changes everything, including our attitudes. Now, last week we talked about because Jesus is alive, we can rise above uh, bad news because we know it's not the end of the story. And God takes all that bad news and he can weave it together and make a beautiful story out of it. We rise above uh, bad choices that we make. And we all make bad choices, and because of the grace of God, because of the mercy of God, because of the mercies that he gives us every day, we get to start over. We get to rise above the greatest enemy that we face, and that's death. And so even death doesn't defeat us anymore. When Jesus came out of the tomb, he defeated death, and so there's life beyond the grave. And so the Bible tells us, and this is the verse that I gave you guys last week, that I think is so powerful, it's in 1 Peter, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. And we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and that future starts today. It starts right now. But I think you would agree with me that sometimes life gets to us and and we rather than go through life with that sense of joy and that sense of, of uh, a positive spirit and, a, and, a, and a, a victorious outlook on life, we can get sucked into life and, and we don't have that. We don't have that joy that could be ours. And why is that? I think there are a lot of things that undermine a good attitude. I think there are lots of things that come along in life and they, they kind of undercut a positive spirit. And, and I, as I thought about this, I had a long list of things and I narrowed it down to eight. And so I got to get in and out of these really fast. 
And, but I want to give you two off the top that aren't even on the list. I'm still giving them to you because somebody will come and say, yeah, but what about this one? What about this? So let me cover my bases. Um, sometimes your personality is just tends to be a little bit more negative than others. Okay, how many of you would agree with me on that? Okay, I, the reason I can say that is because I, I, I love the study of personalities and I know my personality. And by nature, I'm not a really a positive person. By nature, I tend to be more negative in my personality style. And so I have to be very, very intentional to, to uh, be positive. Um, in fact, there's a part of my personality that allows me to get up here and be positive, And I have to really lean into that to, to do that. And so I know by nature, some of you, uh, just you know, by personality, you may not be the most positive person in the world. And so your temptation is to use it as an excuse. Say, well, it's just the way I'm made. You know, I can't be positive. Well, yes, you can. Um, you can be positive. You can, you can change your attitude. Another thing that I haven't given you, I encourage you to write this down, is um, the people you hang out with. That has a lot to do. You know, the birds of a feather flock together, and if you hang out with negative people, you know, you're going to be a negative person. If you hang out with critical people, you're going to be a critical person, and all that stuff. So I got those two out of the way. Now, let me give you eight more, <laughs> and I'm going to get in and out of this pretty quick. Um, and, and I would just encourage you, Think about it in your own life, and, and, and do any of these affect you and, and kind of pull you down? Here's the first one, is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin, okay? Let's just deal with that one right out the gate, okay? In fact, I kind of made this whole list, and then I realized, uh-oh, I left out something that's probably pretty important, and that's the fact that we're all sinners, and sometimes we have unconfessed sin in our life. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes, and I want you to picture that you're standing uh, in front of a south window. It's a cold winter day. It's below freezing, but the sun is shining. And in fact, you can feel the warmth of the sun shining through the glass, and it just is heating your face. You can feel it even though it's cold outside. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes up beside you, and they pull the drawstring, and they draw the curtain closed. And now the warmth of the sun is beginning to diminish, and you're actually beginning now to feel again the coolness from the outside. And it's not until somebody, until you maybe pull the curtain back, and that sun comes back again. Now, now you can open your eyes. Now, when the curtain was pulled, and you felt the coolness, is it because the sun stopped shining? No, it's because something came in between you and the sun. Now, you can draw the analogy. You can, you can pretty easily draw the analogy. The curtain would represent unconfessed sin in my life, stuff in my life that's it's wrong, and I haven't talked to God about it. And so what happens is this curtain begins to close, and God hasn't moved. God is still there, but I've allowed something to come in between me and God to where I no longer feel the warmth of his smile upon my life anymore. And I, and I kind of lose the joy and I kind of slide into the, the chill of, um, of spiritual emptiness. And, and so you have to open that curtain. And, and the only way you do that is to confess. Now, what does it mean to confess? It, it means to acknowledge that what you did was wrong. And so what do you do about this? Well, here you have the attitude of confession. You have the attitude of confession. Confession means to agree with God that what I did was wrong, what I said was wrong. 
And, and I think this is one of the greatest gifts that God's given to us because what happens to you and me when we, when we do sin and we do sin and we don't confess it, then we get this heaviness that kind of settles in on our life. David experienced this. If you were to go to Psalm chapter 32, you'd read about how David felt the heaviness of God upon his life and, and he lost his joy and his energy was being zapped from him. Zapped, uh, zapped or zapped, which, which is correct. Who cares? Both, both. And so it was being sucked out of him. And, and, and he said it was, like, it, was like, um, it was like water evaporating in the summer heat. And so you kind of feel that. And it wasn't until he confessed to God that the joy was beginning to be restored in his life. And, and so you see that. So, so I'm going to have you read a lot of verses with me today because I want you to get this. And, and so I want you to read 1 John 1, 9 with me, okay? And, and get a good attitude about this and, and say that I'm going to read with enthusiasm, okay, and excitement, okay? And you'll get a whole lot more out of it, okay? Here we go. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that great? And so when you and I do that, now the joy begins to come back because we're, we're creating this desire to, God, I, I need to talk to you about this. I'm not going to hide this from you. I want to talk to you about it because my heart is I want to be obedient. I want to do what honors you. I want the smile of your face on my life. I, I want your favor in my life. Psalm 51, read this with me. It is against you and you alone I sinned. So create in me a new Clean heart, O oh God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And so that's the first one. As I thought about this, the second is, is an unreleased past. You see, we confess our sin, but many times when God forgives us of our sin, we don't forgive ourselves of our sin. And we still live in the past. And so we're, we're still holding on to past hurts and we're holding on to past injustices. We're holding on to, to past mistakes that we've made and we're not letting loose of them. Sometimes we hold on to forgiveness and we don't extend it to people who need our forgiveness. And sometimes we, we don't ask for it. And so we hold on to all this stuff. And what happens is, our life it becomes that basement that is filled with all that stuff that should have been discarded. Broken things, useless things, things you don't use anymore. They're not serving any purpose, and they should have been discarded a long time ago. But what happens is now we're filling our mind with all these things. And we have to get rid of these things. And then people start worrying about the past and they feel guilty over the past and they feel shame from the past and all of that steals your joy and it keeps you from living life with that sense of, of uh, optimism and that victorious living that Jesus wants to give to us. I came across this statement the other day. No amount of regret can change your past. No amount of regret can change your past and no amount of worry can change your future. And so stop, stop living in the past. Living in the past would be like trying to drive a car looking in the rearview mirror. Go try that sometime, okay? Try this afternoon. Today's a beautiful day. Go find a place way out in the country where nobody's around so you don't hurt to run over somebody. 
And just try, I'd advise you to take somebody with you too so they can take the steering wheel when they need to because if you drive, you know, looking in the rearview mirror, it's not going to be long before what's going to happen. You're going to, you know, run into something. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt somebody else. That's no way to drive a car. And it's no way to live a life either. You just can't live your life looking in the past. Now, learn from the past, yes, Learn from the past because there's great lessons to be learned from the past. But don't live there. The past is, is, is meant to be a learning experience, not a lifetime sentence for you. Okay? And so, so how do you deal with this? Well, you have this attitude of expectancy. An attitude of expectancy. And what do I mean, what do I mean by that? What I mean is this. Because God has forgiven you. He promises to do that. And, and, and we can be free of the past. Now I can expect God to even use my past to help me have a better future. God does that all the time. God takes what is to you and me a setback, and it, it, all it becomes is a set up for a comeback. And God does that all the time. God specializes in taking the mess of your life and transforming it into a great message. But you've got to have the right attitude about it. If you're going to keep, you know, living in the past and, and, and all the stuff we just talked about a few moments ago, then, then, then that becomes impossible because you're just living in, in the past. And, and so what you and I need to do is let go of that, have this sense of expectancy. Why? Because Psalm 103, read this with me, Psalm 103, verse 12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. And so because of that, we have this great sense of joy. Read Lamentations 3.22. This is a verse that I introduced last week. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Isn't that good to know? And you see, you and I can live every day with a great sense of purpose and meaning and destiny because his mercies are new every single day. And you get to start over every single day. And so you can live with this sense of expectancy. God, what is it you want to do through me today? What is it you're going to bring into my life today? And you live with this sense of expectancy. And this is what happens when you begin to clear out all the junk of the past. Now you, you grow to a new level of um, appreciation for yourself. You grow to a new level of love for yourself. And it's important that you love yourself. Do you agree with that? Because if you don't, if you don't love you, if you don't like you, then how's anybody else going to like you? And what happens is we get in this vicious circle. And so you've got to love you. And, and you love you because, you know, God loves you unconditionally. Not because you deserve it or you're all that, but because of who God is and, and, and your uniqueness. And we'll come to that in a second. But now you're able to love you. And because of that, you can love other people. And you can, you can extend grace to other people. What I've discovered is that people who have a hard time forgiving other people, they haven't experienced forgiveness. People who have a hard time extending grace to other people, it's because they haven't truly experienced grace. People who have a hard time loving people unconditionally, it's because they don't sense they've been loved unconditionally. Because how can you possibly give to somebody else what you haven't had, what you haven't experienced? And so, and what, another thing that happens when you begin to move all this stuff out of your life, all this stuff in, from the past, now your hands are open to receive what God has for you. 
But as long as your mind is filled and cluttered with all the, the brokenness, the pain, the stuff from the past, the junk that you should have cleared out a long time ago, but you've held on to it. Now that you clear it out, now you have room to receive what God has for you. A lot of times people, they can't get on with their future because they're still living in the past. And so you have to have that attitude of expectancy, okay? Here's number three, unresolved conflict. Sometimes people just have a negative outlook on life because they have a trail of unresolved conflict in their life. And so what happens is they'll go from one relationship to another, one job to another, one friendship to another, one marriage to another, one church to another. Why? Because there's, there's a trail of unresolved conflict that takes place in their life. And so all of that stuff begins again to suck the joy out of your life. And so, so what happens is, you know, we get our feelings hurt or somebody say something, says something to us that we didn't appreciate or somebody hurts us intentionally or unintentionally. It, it doesn't matter. Sometimes we refuse to forgive when we should have forgiven. Sometimes we refuse to, to, uh, to ask for forgiveness when we should have asked for forgiveness. And, and all of this, this conflict that goes on, all this drama that goes on in people's lives. Anybody know anybody whose life is just drama all the time? And all this conflict. And it's hard to have joy. It's hard to have peace. It's, it's hard to have a sense of expectancy. It's hard to have, you know, to believe the best is yet to come when you deal with all that mess. And so what do you do with it? You have an attitude of forgiveness. You have an attitude of forgiveness. And, and again, it goes both ways. You forgive the people who've hurt you. Whether they've asked for it or not, you forgive them. Because when you forgive somebody else, it's not the other person you're freeing, by the way. It's you that you're freeing. And so you forgive people who've hurt you, and you ask for forgiveness from those who've hurt. And they may not extend it to you, but that's okay. But you, you go ahead and do your part. And, and if that doesn't work, then just move on. Just move on. I, I love what T.D. Jakes said. T.D. Jakes, years ago, he said, sometimes you just have to have the gift of goodbye. <laughs> you know, see you later. Now, before you take that too far, I'm not talking about marriage. This is not a, this is not a message on marriage relationship, okay? This is not in the context that this is a marriage series, okay? This is not a marriage series, okay? But sometimes there are people in your life that, you know, you try, you do all you can. In fact, Romans chapter 12, read this verse with me, Romans 12, verse 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can. Another version says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, the, the very way he phrased all of that implies that it's not possible to live with everyone. You can't be at peace with everyone. And, and when you can't and you know you've tried your best, just move on. Just move on. Because what I've discovered sometimes, too, is other people like to steal your happiness because they can't find their own. And so they want to steal it from you. And so sometimes you just have to move on. Okay, number four, unhealthy comparisons. Unhealthy comparisons. Whenever you and I uh, get into the comparison game, it's going to steal the joy out of your life because you lose every time you compare. You lose every time you compare. If, yeah, you listen, I, I can compare myself to other pastors and I can find other pastors who do a lot better than I do, okay? They're a lot smarter than I am. They're better communicators than I am. They're better sermon writers. They're better visionaries. They're better organizers. And they have bigger churches and all that stuff, okay? 
It, it wouldn't take me long, and I would be really depressed. And if I were to focus on that, it would drive me into my insecurity. It would drive me into my fear and all that stuff. I easily find somebody better than me. I wouldn't have to look long, and I can find pastors who aren't as good as me, okay? They don't speak nearly as good. I'm a whole lot gooder than they are, okay? <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, I, it wouldn't take me long. Their church is not as big. They don't have the cool people coming to their church like what I do and all that stuff. And, and, and now I get egotistical, and now I get pride, and you lose every time. You lose every time you compare. And, and so how do you deal with that? Have an attitude of self-respect. Just have an attitude of self-respect. Respect yourself. Why? Because you are a unique creation made in the image of God. That's why. And you respect yourself. You, you, you just do. Read with me Psalm 139. I, I love this, this whole chapter, but, but read with me just this part right here. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Circle that word wonderful. Some of you, probably what you ought to do this afternoon is go home and look in the mirror and, I mean, look yourself in the eye and say, you are amazing. (laughs) When's the last time you looked at yourself and, and you said, you are, you are a good person. You really are. You're a good person. You have a lot going for you. You're unique. You're created the image of God. You're wonderful. And you're a blessing to people. Okay? When's the last time you talked to yourself that way? Most of us, we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know, you make me sick. <laughs> Don't we? We do. We do that sort of thing. Now, for, for those of you who, like, every day you look in the mirror and say how wonderful you are, you probably ought to back off a little bit <laughs> and give it a rest, okay? But for most of you, it wouldn't hurt you to go home and look in the mirror and say, you're a good person. And re- what? Yeah, do it in your car. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you for the audience participation. Okay. Okay. And, and so just have self-respect. Why? Because you're created in the image of God. You're unique. Here's number five. Upsetting circumstances. Upsetting circumstances can drain the life out of you. And, and life is difficult. Life is hard. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to. You're going to have trouble. And when Jesus says this, he's not talking about post-nasal drip, okay? He's not talking about a, a cold. He's talking about... White knuckle, hold on for your life because this is going to be a rough ride, okay? There's some stuff that life hands you that's going to be so hard. And in this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus says, take heart because I've overcome the world. Scott Peck in his book, uh, The Road Less Travel. Listen, I love what he says. I love his perspective. He says this. He says, life is difficult. This is a great truth. One of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. And once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it is accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. I think that's great. I love that. If you want a copy of that, email me and I'll send it to you. Okay, so, so what do we do about it? Then have an attitude of joy. Have an attitude of joy. Choose joy. 
Whatever the circumstance is, choose joy. Choose growth, okay? That's what the Bible teaches us. Would you read with me James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3? Don't lose your enthusiasm. Here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Choose joy. No, you can't control all the circumstances. And some of the circumstances are so difficult to deal with. But I'm telling you, find a way to choose joy. Choose joy because you know it's not the end of the story. And God has so much more in store for you. And choose joy, choose growth. Here's number six, ungrateful spirit. Sometimes people just have an ungrateful spirit. And I found that people who have an ungrateful spirit are the most negative people to be around. And, and I just don't care to be around them because I want to be around people who understand the importance of gratitude. In Luke chapter 17, I think it is, Jesus told this story of how he uh, healed 10 lepers, a dreaded disease, a dreaded disease. And only one of them, one of them, mind you, came back and thanked him for that. That blows my mind. You would think they would be crawling all over themselves to get back to Jesus and to thank him, but only one. I think this story reminds us of, of the, the depth of ingratitude, the, the level of ingratitude in our culture, in, in the lives of most people today. And I think one of the best things that you and I could possibly do if we're going to have a, a positive attitude is to have a, a, an attitude of gratitude. So what do you do about it? You have an attitude of gratitude, a thankful spirit. If I could encourage you to do one thing today when you leave here is to make the determination that every single day you are going to be a thankful person. Why is that important? Because gratitude is born out of humility. Gratitude is born out of humility. And people who, who exhibit gratitude are generally very humble people who recognize their dependence upon God and how great of a father he is. He's very benevolent. He's very kind. He's very gracious. In fact, people who are grateful for what they have in life and express gratitude are expressing their uh, dependence upon the people to whom they are expressing gratitude. Whenever you say thank you, I, I mean, for the smallest thing, somebody holds the door open for you, thank you, I appreciate that. Somebody says a kind word, thank you, I appreciate that. Because what it communicates, I needed that. We need each other. And, and so this whole gratitude thing, it's born out of humility. And what I've discovered is people who lack gratitude, they're usually so full of themselves that they're arrogant and they're prideful and, and uh, they think the world owes them and, and, and all of these kinds of things in their life and, and they're some of the most miserable people to be around on the face of the earth. First Thessalonians 5.18, would you read this with me? Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And then have this spirit about you in Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Here's number seven, unfiltered thoughts. Unfiltered thoughts. 
I'm encouraging you to guard your thoughts because the world we live in today is extremely negative. And if we're not careful and we don't filter out the thoughts that come into our mind that, that could potentially come into our mind, if you don't filter those, we can be filled with all kinds of negativity that can come through any, any means. Other people, things we look at, all kinds of stuff. And, and so I just encourage you to guard your thoughts. I, I'm reminded, and I love this, that, that phrase, to guard your thoughts because your thoughts become your words. And guard your words because your words become your actions. Guard your actions because they become your habits. Guard your habits because those become your character. And guard your character because it becomes your destiny. But it all starts with your thoughts. If you want to change your life, then change your thoughts. That's why the Bible talks so much about our mind. And so what, what to do about it? Have an attitude of positivity. Look on the good side. Look for the best in people. Expect the best of people. Look for the best in circumstances. Look for the best in situations. Whenever you go into a situation, or, 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 or whatever it happens to be, look for the best. Have an attitude of positivity. And that's something that we need to do every day. I think we have to be very intentional about that, about putting our mind up in the penthouse as opposed to being down in the basement. And so what do I mean when I say, you know, get your mind up in the penthouse? Well, read with me Philippians chapter 4. This is what Paul says. Let's read this together. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. How much would your life be changed if you would learn to Focus your thoughts on those kinds of things. If, if you would learn to be, believe those things about the people in your life, if, if we could just do this right here, here, how that could change our relationships, how that could change marriages, if we could begin to look at one another this way. And I've given you a couple of other verses there too. Here's number eight, and this is the last one, unchecked vision. Unchecked vision. What I'm talking about here is what you choose to focus on as you go through your days, as you go through life. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing, again, on the positive or are you focusing on the negative? Because you can find both. And whatever you focus on, that's what you're going to be drawn toward. If you focus on negativity, you're going to become a negative person. If you focus on criti uh, criticism, then you're going to become a critical person. If you focus on, you know, what everybody owes me, then you're going to become a person that has an entitlement mentality and you think everybody owes you, okay? The government owes you, you know, your parents owe you, your teachers owe you, the whole world owes me something. And who likes being around those people? Nobody, really. And, and so when I talk about having an unchecked vision, what I mean is this, have an attitude of single-mindedness. What do I mean by that? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And you might put in parentheses, and my attitude. He's the author and he's the perfecter of my attitudes. Corey Ten Boom made a great statement when she says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look to Jesus, you'll be at rest. And so what are you going to focus on? Why is this important? Why is this so important? It's important, especially for those of us who follow Jesus, because honestly, 
there's not a whole lot worse than a person who claims to follow Jesus and is grumpy and critical and mopey and, and has a sourpuss attitude. We have everything in the world to look forward to. What a great God we serve and how fortunate we are to have him. We have a future, including a future in heaven, and the future starts right now. If you follow Jesus, have a good attitude and be a good witness. Things aren't going to go perfect, but you can make the choice to have a good attitude. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head. And as we close out today, maybe for some of you, your prayer would be, uh, Jesus, would you just come in and, and change my heart, change my mind, change my way of thinking, and help me to focus on you? Would you help me to have a grateful spirit? Would you help me to have a humble spirit? Would you help me, Lord, to look for the best, to believe the best in others? Would you help me to extend grace? Would you help me to be a person who offers forgiveness, who asks for forgiveness? If your desire is to respond to Jesus today, would you, would you pray this prayer with me? And I'm going to ask you to say this aloud. And uh, I'm going to invite everybody here to also join in if you've made the decision to follow Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, today I thank you for Jesus. And Jesus asked you to come into my heart and change my heart. Change my mind. I'm asking you to be my Savior and Lord. Help me to walk in the victory that you give to me. And help me to represent you well. I pray this in your name. Father, you're so good to us. That's, that's who you are. And God, we've been blessed. And that's who we are. Help us, Lord, to live in that reality. I pray this in your name. Amen.